Welcome to the Equipping You in Grace podcast, hosted by Dave Jenkins. The Equipping You in Grace podcast is a podcast about helping Christians develop a biblical worldview in a conversational tone about issues inside and outside the church. Now, for today's episode, let's join our host, Dave Jenkins. guys welcome back to the equipping and grace podcast my name is dave and i'm the host for this podcast and with me today i am very excited to welcome micah wilder micah welcome to the equipping and grace podcast thanks dave it's great to be here yeah it's great to have you can you uh, just tell us a little bit about yourself you know your life marriage ministry and what ministry products you're working on? Yeah, so uh, I'm part of a ministry, a full-time ministry called Adams Road. And uh, the unique aspect about our ministry is that all of the members of our ministry are former Mormons. And so we came out of that workspace righteousness, uh, came to saving faith through the reading of the word of God. And so we founded 15 years ago and ever since have been traveling and proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. One of the unique aspects of what we do is in addition to preaching and testimony, we also do music as well. Well. So we're musicians who write music that is centered on the Word of God. And so we are actually currently right now, we are on a tour uh, about two weeks into a four-month tour all over the United States and uh, just are grateful for the opportunity to be able to go out and proclaim the saving gospel and encourage and equip the church and the body of Christ. Yeah. Tell us a little more about your, your ministry. And those types of things. And I know your parents, you said, uh, visit with you before we record it or go with you, excuse me. So, yeah. Yeah. So we, uh, we spend about four months each year traveling. Uh, we live on a tour bus, uh, cram ourselves in there. Uh, and during the summer months, my children have the opportunity to travel with me and we go from church to church and we share our testimonies. We share our music. Uh, we give away free gospel materials. Uh, we actually give away all of our music. That's a big part of our ministry. Um, just recently, I released a book about three weeks ago called Passport to Heaven. So we've been distributing that as well. And um, it's kind of twofold. Number one, obviously, we are always witnessing to, to, there it is, passport to heaven. Um, We're always witnessing to non-believers in any circumstance that we can. um, And all those opportunities that God presents us with, we want to be bold and loving in our presentation of the gospel. And at the same time, we're also witnessing to the believers, to the church, to be um, encouraging to them to be faithful disciples of Christ and to go out and fulfill the Great Commission. And, you know, I think about the people that God placed to my life when I was an unbelieving Mormon that planted seeds of the gospel and watered seeds of the, of the gospel that God ultimately, you know, brought to fruition and how significant those experiences were to ultimately bringing me to grace and how important of a responsibility that we have in the body of Christ to share the gospel. And so we really want to encourage uh, our Christian brothers and sisters to, to be bold and loving witnesses of Jesus throughout the world. Yeah, this guy's, I'm going to show this book again just so everybody can see it. If For those of you who are listening, which is a lot of you, um, you won't be able to see that, but the book is uh, really, really good. I really liked it. I thought that it was really captivating. Uh, it's kind of like your mom's book, Un- Unveiling Grace. Um, in a lot of ways, you both are very gifted writers and you, you have a compelling story to tell. Uh, so I'm excited about this conversation and excited for people to get the book. So thank you so much for writing. Absolutely. Yeah, well, you know, this, this I know that this question, I think, is, is stuck in my head when you were in the book. Um, 
And and so it's this, what was the most shocking thing to you at, at, at the time about the response of the Baptist congregation you sought to win to the LDS church? Yeah. So uh, my Mormon mission campaign and I, this was back in 2004, I was a very devout Mormon and we attended a Sunday evening service at a small Baptist church in Winter Garden, Florida. And I don't think we really knew what to expect. I had never done anything like that in my life. Um, yeah, but we yeah, right. we really thought, I mean, our intent was these people um, do not have the fullness of the gospel, the fullness of the truth. And we thought that we could bring them something more than what they already had. And so we ended up going to this church and, uh, I was really shocked um, and taken aback by the the love that I felt and the outpouring of of um, generosity that we had from this Christian congregation, from its pastor, and uh, and and how important that was. And even before I heard the gospel message, even before uh, truth itself was planted in my heart, I, I I felt a genuine love from these so called Christians. And I think that that is an important part of my testimony. I, I met a lot of Christians who didn't represent the love of Jesus to me in the way that they are called to and the way that we are called to as followers of Jesus. And so um, I, I think that's such an important element is that when uh, we are placed into people's lives or God puts people into our lives, whether Mormons or Jehovah's Witnesses or others, that we are loving to them, that we are gentle, that we're compassionate, that we're respectful in our approach to sharing the gospel with them. And so that that congregation, I, I, I think, really exuded um, and, and exemplified that love of Christ that we are called to have. And, and it really, um, I think, was the, the first of many seeds that God was using to, to plant into my heart. Mm. Wonderful. Yeah. I can't imagine. I know you share about the pastor and I read his, read the afterword and I was just like, wow, I can't imagine that. You know, I've had yeah. many, many conversations with Mormons and uh, never had any, I, I hate to say the word success, but it yeah. always felt like I'm just like banging my head against the wall. And, yeah. uh, you know, so that was actually like super, your story was like super encouraging to me. Um, because I, this next question will kind of tell you why we lived in Idaho. My wife is from uh, Southern Idaho, which you know is uh, mm -hmm. one of the most populated or densely populated Mormon areas, I guess, in the world. They say um, you could tell me probably if that's true or not. But um, I had many Mormon neighbors, and uh, my wife, I said, grew up in Southern um, Idaho. What's the best way to engage our Mormon neighbors with the gospel? You know, from non-Mormon scripture and have loving um, compassion over them as they are going through that process. And one of the mistakes I would say that I made early on was I had gone through this incredible transformation process of coming to know the grace of God in such a profound and radical way while I was a Mormon missionary. And I wanted to shout that from the rooftops and I did, <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with that, but I expected everybody to just immediately see things in the way that I had seen. And then I kind of had to be reminded, well, it took God a long time and it took him a a lot of experiences and a lot of the word of God to ultimately bring me, you know, to that point of, of seeing Jesus face to face and recognizing the sufficiency of Christ's offering on my behalf. And so I think having that patience is so important. Mm. And from a practical standpoint, um, I think that it's important to have uh, a respectful dialogue. And what I mean with dialogue is uh, sometimes as Christians, we kind of want to go and swing in the bat, you know, and, and we don't have any interest in what people believe or what they want to say about their own faith system. And we just want to go in and just bludgeon them over the head, uh, you know, mm. with our belief system. And, and 
I've seen that that often creates barriers uh, and walls uh, within those relationships. And I, so, so I think having genuine interest in asking them questions, you know, what do you believe? Where do you go to church? Why do you believe that? Um, and, and looking for those opportunities to be able to do that so that as you ask questions and they give responses, you then naturally have this opportunity to kind of, you know, respond yeah. to them and say, well, this is what I believe and this is why. And so I, I think that sometimes the other mistake that I see in ministry is that people are focusing on the things that they shouldn't be focusing on. Um, as Christians, we know that the only thing that has salvific power is the gospel, right? So, so the only thing that is the power of God and salvation is the gospel message. And so if we focus on all the things except the gospel, the only thing that we're going to be doing is cracking people's foundation or removing their faith system. But if we don't replace it with anything, then we're not doing them any good. And so our ministry has always encouraged and focused our approach to more Mormons or, you know, non-believers with grace, with truth, with the word of God and with the gospel message itself. Because I think that if we emphasize and focus too much on, you know, what's wrong with Mormonism or the aspects of Mormonism that are, you know, unique, um, then it, it, Number one, it causes them to to hesitate in having those dialogues when we start addressing things that are very personal to them. Um, and so I think that focusing on the gospel for me has, has been the most effective way because ultimately I want them to be saved. And, you know, them knowing Mormonism is false doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be saved if they don't have a new foundation upon which to build. Yeah, I know this is a yearbook, but it just stuck stuck out in my head. Stuck out in my head when your mom was talking about your your family's story, really, which you know is another book. I know, but you know how the the Mormons, you know, or Latter Day Saints. I'm not sure which one you prefer. Um, sorry, I'm not trying to be disrespectful. Oh, either is fine with me. Oh, okay. Either okay, is fine great. with me. Great, great. But you know, like they really, they really, you know. Um, they really put put together you as a family, accept you as a family, you know, and and it, the family tentacles go deep. And yeah, so I can see when understanding that was like really kind of important to me um, to be able to reach them and understanding, hey, it's not just their belief system, as you touched right. on so well. It's like this is the way they see themselves and uh, interconnected to the to the whole. Uh, so it would be hard, you know, and because yeah. like I think your mom even talks about this, how how, you know, she realized, oh, they're already in and you know they're already part of this and yeah. uh then they just kept kind of going i think is isn't exactly what she said but basically right but it is it's very much a culture it's a community right and so so people find their their identity not just religiously but socially um and 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 communally in their standing in mormonism and so uh the the family ties the relational ties the 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 friends i mean for me even uh, my high school years uh, out in utah i mean i went to a high school that was 98% mormon right so everything that i knew and everybody that i knew and everything that i loved was deeply rooted and entrenched in that, that identity within my religious system. And, and I think that that's an important thing for people to recognize because um, there is a heavy cost for these people um, that, that can come at losing. I mean, we know people that have lost marriages, you know, that have lost spouses mm. and children and jobs and homes and lifestyles um, because of their profession of Christ. And so I think that we need to be compassionate um, and, and, and empathetic as we approach them, recognizing that this is not just, you know, you and I changing the church that we attend on a Sunday. Sunday morning, this is a literal uh, life change that could come at the cost of, of so many things that people know and love. Hmm. 
That's really well said and very important to understand. You know, um, many people are coming out of the Mormon church and and either becoming atheists or even following other religions. As, as Christians, yeah. how do we best reach and minister to these ex-Mormons? I think the best way is just kind of piggybacking on what I said previously, and that's that that we need to have our focus on the gospel, right? Because right now, the, the problem is that there is so, so much information that's so easily accessible, right? So even when I was a kid, it's like I never would have considered getting on the internet and looking up, you know, things about Mormonism. It just wasn't something that I would have ever, ever considered. But now uh, there's so much information out there and people can go and Google and search and look on YouTube and find all of this information that really exposes you know, the fallacy of Mormonism, not even necessarily from a doctrinal standpoint, you know, but from a historical standpoint, from a characterological standpoint and these other things. And so uh, people are discovering that um, by the by the tens of thousands. And they have grown up in this religious system and in this mentality that says basically it's all true or none of it's true. And so their only exposure to God, to Jesus, to Bible, right? to all of those things is what they know through the lens of Mormonism. Mm. And when they come to discover that Mormonism is not what it claims to be, it is not the true church established by Jesus Christ. And that it, it in fact, you know, has been dishonest, you know, about its own standing, then a lot of people are angry and they're bitter and they're hurt. And I understand that. And so it causes them to turn away from their religious experience altogether. And so um, they kind of throw the baby out with the bathwater and they say, well, I've been taught my whole life that the Bible can't be trusted. I'm going to throw that out. I'm going to throw out my relationship with God and Jesus. And they tend to, to go into the secular realm. And that's kind of what Mormonism breeds because of its nature. And that, that claim to exclusivity, right, naturally is going to breed people walking away from religion altogether when they find out that the one true church that they have dedicated their life to isn't true. And so I think as Christians, the best thing that we can do is, is to present the hope that is in Christ to these people to say, you know, although this is false, there is something that is true. And Jesus Christ of Nazareth is the way, the truth, and the life. And here's why the Bible can be trusted. This is why the word of God is real. This is how it's changed my life. And, and then to begin to encourage them and point them to the scriptures, to the word of God, to the gospel message, and, um, and focus on Jesus. I just think that so many people, as they're being drawn out of Mormonism, they're just focusing on the church, you know, on, on more Mormonism. They're focusing on all the negatives and even ex-Mormon Christians sometimes do that. And it's like, once we are in Christ, like our previous life, it's been crucified with Christ, right? That that flesh is, has died and we've been raised into newness of life. So that old has passed away and the new has come. And it, we're, we're not victims of Mormonism. We're, we're victors in Christ. And that should be kind of our mentality. And so I would encourage Christians that are listening to this or watching this to, to um, you know, be that salt and light to people who are going through that transition process. And if they're beginning to discover or question their faith in Mormonism, then you don't need to focus on those non-Christian aspects of Mormonism that make it false. Just focus on the the, the truth that is found in the word of God and, and show them that there is something greater than anything that they've ever known. And I'm grateful for the Christians that God placed in my life who did that. The only reason I began questioning Mormonism was because I saw the distinct difference between the gospel that I was avowing and the gospel that was pre presented in the word of God. And that was literally it. And you've read my book and you understand it. It's just me reading the Bible by myself as a Mormon missionary uh, yeah. that brought me to salvation. And so I am a witness of the power of the word of God. And I think that as Christians, like we need to be more diligent in pointing people to, to the scriptures.
Yeah, I love the idea that you talk about with reading the Bible as a child, because I yeah. mean, even as a longtime Christian, it can just become another thing that you're reading, you know. Yeah. And, and uh, I wrote a book on biblical literacy. Maybe I'll tell you about it another time. But um, you know, in the book, I'm trying to help people, you know, capture a love for the the word, not just reading the word to check it off, but to to really understand that God loves His word and He delights over it. And that's kind of what I was like: read the Bible as a child, kind of thing. Don't just read it just to gather information and knowledge, but because God gave it to us and he delights over his word, he delights over his yeah. people. And uh, so that takes us well past the charge of the Bible being legalism and those types of things. And yeah, I think that's, I think that's really good and helpful for people. Um, yeah. And one thing I've observed is I think a lot of Christians, sometimes they're hesitant to really challenge or point Mormons to the Bible because a lot of times Mormons don't you know, have the same amount of trust or faith in the Bible, right? I, I never would have considered the Bible to be the infallible, inerrant word of God when I was a Mormon. I mean, it was certainly part of scripture, but uh, it wasn't the only scripture. And so sometimes we kind of get hesitant and say, well, what's the point of pointing them to the Bible if they don't really mm. trust it? And I say, well, whether you trust it or not, I mean, an atheist <laughs> can pick up the Bible. It doesn't matter if they believe it's true or not. It doesn't change the, the reality of what it is. And it is living and it is active and it is sharper than any two-edged sword and it does not return void. And so if you can get people into the Bible, um, you know, God through his word and the Holy Spirit will will do the work. And so um, don't worry about how they're going to respond to it. Just get them there. <laughs> Amen. That's good. Well, do you think that the average Mormon knows the official doctrine taught by the Mormon church, especially, you know, when it comes to salvation, for example, Joseph Smith holding the keys to heaven or salvation by grace plus all you can do? Yeah, that's a that's a tough one because there's there there's a very wide uh, spectrum of belief system within the Mormon Church, and even now, like I'm engaging with several uh, Mormon missionaries on Facebook Messenger, and it's like it's like trying to pin Jello to a wall because it's just there's nothing to hold on to. So they all interpret and kind of see uh, these doctrines of Mormon differently, and I have to kind of lovingly tell them, look, I probably know more about Mormon doctrine than you do, um, because they're not, you know, a lot of them are just kind of ignorant, and so I think. There's aspects of it that people are well versed in. There's aspects that aren't, and I also think it's how you approach it. So, for example, obviously now looking back, I can look at Mormonism and say that is it is works based righteousness, right? There are laws, ordinances, commandments that an individual must you know follow and perform in order to gain eternal life in the presence of God. So I can see that it's clearly works based righteousness. But as a Mormon, I never would have thought of it that way. I never would have seen it that way. And if if somebody said, "Well, you believe that you are saved by your," works, I would have thought that that was ridiculous. Um, I say, no, of course I'm saved by the grace of God. I can't be saved apart from what Jesus did for me. However, the problem was, is I also couldn't be saved apart from what I was doing in addition to what Jesus did, you know? And, but for me, I saw it as, well, I'm just trying to be faithful to God. I'm trying to do what he's asked me to do. And it's not really what saves me. And so you'll have this kind of like I'm dealing with a Mormon missionary right now that's like, oh, it's it's all about works. James 2, faith without works is dead. If you believe you're saved by grace, you're, you're, you're foolish. And then I have another missionary that's telling me, oh, we believe the same thing. Like, I don't believe that I can work for my salvation. I don't think that works contribute to my good standing with God. And I'm thinking, well, you know, <laughs> you got these two missionaries that are telling me two completely different things. And so I think that's why that actually brings up a good point for me 
and we're talking about like Christians witnessing to Mormons, like you have to ask them these questions. Like one of the biggest mistakes that I see and that I've made in the past is like making presuppositions about what a Latter-day Saint believes, because honestly, they can be anywhere on this religious or doctrinal spectrum. Um, and so if we start to assume, well, because you're Mormon, you believe X, Y, and Z, um, all of a sudden we're like almost putting them in their own box rather than allowing them to share what they believe. And so that's one of the things I do when I dialogue with Mormon missionaries is I ask them questions. Like, I want to know, okay, where are you on the spectrum of Mormonism? What do you believe about this? What do you believe about this? So that I can then witness to them in a way that focuses in on those things rather than just making assumptions about hmm. what they believe. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's really good. Do you think that that the reason that could be is because of the, you know, the different, uh, I don't know how to say this. So, uh, takes from the president on different Mormon doctrines and maybe a different ep emphasis on those doctrines, uh, you know, since they're like a direct mouthpiece from God, kind of like the Pope kind of situation or, right. or, or am I kind of tracking with that or is it maybe? Yeah, no, I, I think that's right. And I also think part of it is there's been this kind of paradigm shift in the Mormon church over the last 20 years to kind of like they're really trying to immerse themselves into evangelical Christianity, right? I mean, you see the partnership that the church has with the chosen and, you know, all these other things that are happening kind of in, 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 in the public and in, in, in Christian culture. And they're, they're trying to make themselves appear as though they are mainstream Christians. So, right. They, they've changed their website to come unto Christ.org. They have YouTube channels. They have missionaries that are out there saying, here's the Bible. Let's talk about Jesus. Right. And so they're, they're, they, there's kind of, this concerted effort to immerse themselves more into mainstream Christianity. And I think what that's done, it's like you, you kind of have this split, right? Because you have these old school Mormons that are like, well, like even when I was a missionary 15, 16, 17 years ago, it was like, we want it to be distinct that we have something different and we have something better, right? And 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 we are the restored church that has the unique and only authority to perform the ordinances that are necessary for salvation. Like we didn't hide that. I mean, that was our message. Um, that's what made us different. And now it's like, they seem to be focusing less on those things and more on the commonalities that they have with, with other Christians. And so I think that it kind of depends like what, what, congregation you're from, you know, what your parents are like, like what, you know, what you've been taught growing up in the home as to kind of where you are on that spectrum. And then, as you mentioned, you have the teachings of the prophets and the apostles. And so when they're contradicting one another, because the things that see Gordon Hinckley was the prophet when I was growing up and he said different things than you know, what the current prophet of the Mormon church is saying now, and then trying to, you know, wade through that and discern, well, who is right about which part, uh, I think it can be very confusing for a young Latter-day Saint. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And, and you make a good point, you know, the way that they're rebranding themselves almost as, mm -hmm. you know, Christianity. I think that gives us, and I would love your thoughts, I think that gives us a huge, I don't know, advantage is the right word, but it gives us a huge opportunity, probably the better way to say that, to really say, hey, this is actually what makes Christianity unique. Yeah. You know, Jesus, fully God and fully man, he actually bled and died and rose, in, um, you know, in our place and, or yeah, in our place and for our sin and all those yeah. wonderful truths. Uh, I think yeah. that's, a, that's, a, that's a good opportunity for every Christian. Oh, absolutely. And, and I think that, see, one of the things that, that I do is when Mormons come to me or missionaries say, we believe the same thing. And that's actually a great opportunity to say, 
lovingly, no, we don't. And here's why, right? And so I think that's something that Christians should should be prepared and equipped to be able to have a ready defense for the hope that lies within them, but to do so with gentleness and respect. And so one of the things that we're observing is, is a lot of Christians are kind of being, um, they're being hoodwinked, you know, by Mormons, by making them think that they are on the same theological or doctrinal plane by saying, yes, we believe uh, we're saved by grace. We believe Jesus died for our sins. We believe he rose from the grave right? All these things. And so all of a sudden Christians are going, oh, well, I guess we do believe the same things. And, and for me, I actually say, okay, well, let's, let's talk about what that means, right? So let's talk about what grace is. Let's talk about what salvation is. Let's talk about what did Jesus really do for us on the cross? What do we need to do uh, in order to, you know, enact what Jesus did for us and all those things. And, and then you really begin to separate. Actually, we don't believe the same thing, you know, because for me to live eternally in the presence of God, the, the penalty for my sin has been paid. And that work that was necessary to reconcile me to God was finished through what Christ did. And so by grace through faith, right, I am reconciled to God. And that 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 work has happened. It's done. It's complete, right? And so Amen. I have the eternal inheritance of, of, of where I stand with God. And yet as a Mormon, it's like, no, in order to live eternally in the presence of God, you have to be baptized in the church. You have to pay your tithing. You have to live the moral codes. You have to follow the prophet. You have to go to the temple, all these things. And all of a sudden it's like, no, we actually don't believe the same thing. And so I think it's actually a great conversation starter when a Mormon tries to address the similarities because we can use those uh, seeming similarities as a way to then address the differences to, if nothing else, get them thinking. Yeah. And even in, even as you're talking, I'm thinking about the book again, you know, where you're, you're talking about, this is towards the end of your time and the Mormon missionary and they had the testimony time and you're like, wait, you just want to talk about, you went up there and talked about Jesus. And then you noticed how they weren't, you know, it was like Jesus plus something else. And you're like, wow. And I know you were afraid. It seemed like you were (laughs) reading that you were like a little bit afraid of what might happen. And uh, so, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, obviously some people think, well, it's a good thing, right? Isn't it a good thing if the Mormons are turning more to Jesus? But, uh, you know, I, I think that it's unfortunately until they remove their extra biblical scriptures and doctrine and revelation when they remove their claim to, you know, this high priestly mediation that the prophet and the apostles have between men and God, which honestly is blasphemous. They, they are sitting in the seat that only Christ possesses um, and claiming Amen. to have an authority of, of this Melchizedek priesthood that that is unique only to Christ alone, because he alone was the one uh, worthy of taking upon himself such an honor and making that offering on our behalf as both the offering and the high priest himself. And so, and, and, you know, until they, I think, remove some of those things, we have to be very wary, you know, and we have to be discerning as Christians to say, look, I love you and I appreciate your zeal for God. And I appreciate your dedication to the Christ that you know, because that's how it was for me. And I think when you read the book, you recognize, like I was as a Mormon, very dedicated to Jesus, but I didn't have a full understanding of who Christ was because I didn't know his word. And so until I came to know his word, I recognized that I had been avowing essentially a false Christ, not 
because of my, it wasn't my fault. It's just the Jesus that I knew through the Mormon church. And uh, until that point, like we as Christians have to kind of draw a clear and distinct line in the sand and say, no, we are not on the same side, but let me show you and point you to the true biblical Christ. That's really good. What's the best way for Christians to engage Mormon missionaries who come to the door of their house? Yeah. So, um, Number one, like don't don't immediately have this this uh, self righteousness. <laughs> That's something that I engage uh, with a lot. Is like people, well, we're we're Christians and you guys aren't, and let me tell you why, and you're going to hell, you know. And it was kind of like that, and it wasn't loving. Like it wasn't um, when we share the gospel, the the impetus for doing so should be love, right? I mean, Paul says that in First Corinthians 13, right? So we can have faith to move all mountains. We can give up our body to be burned. We can, you know, engage with the Mormon missionaries at the doorstep. But if we don't have love, then ultimately it, we are nothing and it is for nothing. And so, you know, Jesus's whole ministry and the reason why he died on the cross was because of love, because he was the demonstration of God's love toward mankind. And so we're called to have that same love towards others. And so I think just, just the way that we uh, interact with them, like, are we doing it with kindness? Like, are we gentle? Are we respectful? Which is such a simple thing. Um, but yet, you know, sometimes we immediately want to be combative or we want to win an argument and we forget like, well, I want to, I want to win a soul here. Like, I want to share the gospel. I want to plant seeds. I want to see them come to a saving faith in Christ. And so I think just like making sure that our heart is in the right place. And then the other thing is like, um, I, we do encourage people like invite the Mormon missionaries in, you know, give them food, give them water, and even give them an opportunity to present their belief system. Um, we've kind of debated, you know, there's people that have different approaches about that. But like, I would say, if you have younger kids, maybe who I wouldn't have them in there because you don't want them hearing a false gospel, but you know, for adults that are grounded in the word of God, um, the only reason I encourage that is because I think when you offer the respect, like as you read in the book, Pastor Benson did with me, right? He gave us the chance to share our belief system. And so when it came to be his turn to share with us, we kind of felt this natural obligation to sit there and respectfully hear him out as well. And so I think that that, you know, is a good tactic. And then, like I said before, I think asking questions, um, you know, getting, gaining deeper understanding of what they believe, why they believe it, where they get those beliefs from, and then using the word of God to say, okay, well, I, I see that you believe that and why you believe that, but let me show you what I believe and why I believe it, and then go to the word of God. And I think the best thing, the, the challenge at the end that I've given every Mormon I've ever met, um, just like Pastor Benson did with me, is you don't have to trust me. You know, that's the beauty of the Bible. Like I'm not, you know, Mormonism, I had to trust the prophet. I had to trust my bishop. I had to trust my leaders, right? To be, to me, the mouthpiece of God. And actually as a Christian, it's like, you don't have to trust me. That's what's awesome about it is we can go and we can test what I'm telling you right now against the word of God. You know, first John four, one, uh, test the spirits to see whether they are from God for many false prophets have gone out into the world. And so we have the way to test just like the Bereans did when Paul came proclaiming the message of the Messiah, they went back to the to the Old Testament and they said, let's test these things against what is written. And um, and so with that, to point them to the Bible and just say, all right, I challenge you. Like, if you think I'm wrong, then prove me wrong. Go to the scriptures, go to the New Testament and see what it says and, and allow God, you know, through his word to begin making a change in their lives. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, can you tell us a little bit about your journey to discovering the heirs of the Mormon church and what helped you to discover the truth found in God's word? 
Yeah. So my the my my journey of conversion, uh, if you want to put it that way, happened while I was on my two year Mormon mission. And so I was uh, in Orlando, Florida, and uh, as we've talked about a little bit already, I engaged with a Baptist pastor um, who shared the gospel with me and eventually challenged me to go seek truth for myself, to go to the source, as it were, uh, and to go to the Bible. And so I spent most of my Mormon mission, about 20 months of my Mormon mission that I had left, reading the New Testament daily. And uh, in that time, I read it 12 times from beginning to end. And, and God used that the power of his word to begin to slowly wash my eyes with the water of the word of God and to reveal to me the sufficiency of the blood offering of Jesus Christ. And so mine was a unique thing because I, I was not somebody who was looking for truth outside of Mormonism and I had never doubted Mormonism and I never questioned it. Right. So it's not like I, I had this, shaking foundation already. I actually had what I thought was an unshakable foundation in Mormonism. And so I wasn't seeking to leave or to lose, you know, my testimony in the LDS church. And that's just a testament to how powerful God's word is. And so for me, it was just the slow and gradual process of reading the word of God and God was planting seeds in my heart. And he was showing me the gospel message in the same way that that Baptist pastor had shared it with me. And that was so much simpler and more beautiful and so much more pure than anything that I'd ever understood. And I began to see a dichotomy between the gospel that I was teaching as a Mormon missionary and the gospel that was revealed so clearly in the word of God. And in particular for me, the New Testament. And, and I don't think that any human being can read the New Testament uh, 12 times and walk away and not understand the gospel message and how simple it really is. And that every aspect of the old law was pointing toward its fulfillment, right? It was a shadow of the reality to come who is Christ. And so Jesus was the fulfillment of that reality. Jesus was the all-sufficient, all-eternal offering for our sin on the cross of Calvary, that that work in that one act of righteousness alone is what brings justification and life to all men. And not only that, but it's not something that uh, can be earned. It's not something that can be worked for. It's not something that, you know, it's like, well, I can prove to God uh, that I'm good enough to have eternal life. In fact, the, the word states very clearly that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, right? No one seeks for God, not even one. And so not only... Uh, <laughs> not only can I not earn it, but in fact, I, I don't deserve it. I mean, at all, I, I deserve the wrath of God. I'm destined for the wrath of God. And yet God's love is so vast and so beautiful and so deep and wide and immeasurable that he sent Jesus to be the propitiation for the sins of the world. He sent Jesus to be my substitute and to step into my place and take my penalty on the cross of Calvary. And that if I trusted in what Christ had done, then I could have the guarantee of knowing that I was right with God. And so for me, it was it was kind of this parallel journey because somebody asked me one time, I thought it was a really good question. Well, was it like the good news or was it the bad news, uh, you know, that really kind of like caused this change in me? And it was kind of the simultaneous thing. So I'm reading the Bible and I, the good news is just pouring into my heart, the grace and love of God, you know, revealed in Christ. And then eventually I realized, wait a minute, like 
I'm not as good as I think. I'm not as good as I want to be. And I, and I began to be, I think, more honest. And, 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 you know, it says that the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And, and I began to really be convicted of my own sin to recognize, wow, like I am a wretched human being. And although I can uh, put on a front to my, my religious peers on the outside, like God knows the, the, the depth of my wretchedness within my heart. He knows the thoughts uh, and intents of my heart. And yet he still loves me anyway through Christ. And so to recognize that I'm destitute and hopeless outside of Christ, but yet if I trust in him, then I can be forgiven of all of the many sins that, you know, that, that I have every day. And that was the good news for me. And so I came to that realization uh, as a Mormon missionary, which ultimately led me, uh, you know, to, to everything that happened and transpired because of that newfound faith and testimony. Mm, awesome. Praise God. You know, you write about your interaction with President Sorensen and your fear of approaching that meeting, you know, with your parents present. I can't imagine what that was like. <laughs> I'm so you're really like, what is going to happen next? Like in this meeting, man, I'm like, yeah. whoa. Uh, so how did your parents process that meeting and, and think about it even after their own salvation? Yeah. So it's actually an amazing thing because I look back at all of these elements of the story and I see like God uses them, right? So he uses even a stubborn, uh, unsaved Mormon stake president to, he uses that experience to ultimately plant seeds in the hearts of my parents. And so after my mission was completed and I was sent back home, uh, I had to have a meeting with my stake president back in Utah. And, uh, and he was very, he was very firm. Uh, I, I was actually very generous to him in the book uh, as far as uh, what, what reality was. I mean, he, he was very firm um, and, and really unkind. And, and the thing that he really did was he, he helped my parents see that the focus of the church and the focus of their testimony was not rooted and grounded in Jesus. And so they could see this, this, this stark contrast between here's this 21 year old, you know, Mormon missionary that's being condemned and told that he's an antichrist. And all I was doing was professing the sufficiency of Christ and witnessing of Jesus alone. And here was my Mormon authority, which was a man who was supposed to hold these priesthood keys and be their spiritual, you know, um, overseer. And yet here he was ignoring any testimony of Christ and focusing on the extra biblical, you know, elements of a testimony within Mormonism. And I think that God used that to um, open their hearts, you know, enough to say, something is not right here. Uh, there, there's something slightly off. And I think that when that challenge was given to them by me to read the Bible, I think they were much more open to doing so because they, uh, I think, were kind of prepared to recognize that there may be something different than what they had always believed. Did, did just a question, did, did President Sorensen get in trouble? And, and I, maybe I need to say why I think that, because I know that those uh, Mormon officials are held to a very high standard of uh, you know, ethics and morality and those types of things. Did, did he get in trouble for how he interacted with you, with your parents and you or? Not that I'm aware of. And, and honestly, nobody would have known about it. I mean, it's not like, you know, we reported it to anybody at that time. So, you know, it was just the four of us in that room. And, uh, you know, until my book came out, it's probably when my mother's book came out, it's really a conversation that, you know, had stayed behind closed doors. So, you know, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I think that um, to, to the credit of the Mormon church, I don't know that the leaders of the church would have approved of the way that he handled the situation. Um, you know, so I, I think that they they don't like bad press <laughs> and they don't like bad PR. And I think that that they would not have approved of, of his, you know, kind of vehement 
you know, rebuking of me in the way that he did, um, because it would have just, you know, caused them to be seen in a negative light. Yeah, for sure. Well, brother, where can people go to find out more about you online, on social media or otherwise? Yeah. So our ministry is called Adams Road Ministry. You can go to adamsroadministry.com and that's probably the best source to find everything related to uh, what we do. Um, as I mentioned previously, we are currently on tour. We're actually in Vermont today and uh, we'll be traveling all over the United States for the next several months. Uh, our tour calendar is there online. All of our events are free. We have our music for free and everything that we give out at our events. Uh, we also have my book, uh, Passport to Heaven, that will be available as well. And so I encourage you to go there. All of our music is on our website. You can download it for free. Again, it's scriptural music right from the word of God. Um, you can also go to passporttoheavenbook.com and get more information there about that book and about what uh, God did in my life through those two years as a Mormon missionary. Um, one of our hearts has always been like, to, to give the gospel for free, because that's what Paul did. And he said, what then is my reward that in preaching the gospel, I can offer it free of charge so as to not make full use of my ride. And so uh, as much as I would have loved to give the book away for free, it's just not logistical. Um, it's mm -hmm. been published and everything else. However, um, all of the proceeds from the book that come back to me, they all go back into ministry. And also I do wanna say this, if there are Mormons listening, um, I do offer the book free to any Latter-day Saint that would like one. Um, you can go to passporttoheavenbook.com and get more information about that, or you can email me. Um, you can get my email address from the Adams Road website. I just, you know, the motivation for doing this has never been money. It's never been fame. It's never been exposure, and it never will be. Um, if that were the direction, then I'm not doing so well. <laughs> um, you know, and so it's 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 about the gospel, and it's about the word of God going forward. And so if you're a non-believer or you can't afford the book even, um, then, then please reach out to me. I be happy to send you one. I've already sent uh, several uh, dozen books all over the world, even to, to several Mormon missionaries as well. Um, and just want to encourage people, you know, to, to be moved by the testimony of what God has done in my life, to know that he can do the same thing in other people's lives and that there is no person or situation that is beyond the reaches of his grace. Wonderful, brother. Well, just as we wrap up, do you want to give us a few takeaways, brother? Yeah, I, I want to encourage the Christians who are listening to this, those who are followers of Christ to, to, to fulfill the great commission, right? Jesus said, go out into all the world and proclaim the gospel to all of creation. And Paul, the apostle said, woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. And I think sometimes uh, as Christians, we think, well, I have to be, I'm not a pastor. I'm not, you know, equipped. I'm not trained. I didn't go to seminary. I'm not, I'm not in any official ministry capacity. I'm not realizing that all of us, wherever we are and whatever we're doing, we are called to the Great Commission. How are they to hear unless they are sent? And how are you know they sent? And how are they to preach unless someone sends? Right? And faith comes through hearing, and hearing through the Word of Christ. And so, uh, if we don't preach, then who's going to preach? Who's going to share? And so, think about your neighbors and your friends and your coworkers and your family members and those people that maybe were intimidated to approach, um, or we kind of have already deemed them as being 
unsavable. There's no such thing as an unsavable person. Mm. And to, you know, pray for the boldness and the love and the grace to have opportunities to share the gospel with non-believers. If you are a Latter-day Saint or somebody that's based in a workspace religion, I, I encourage you um, to to turn to Jesus Christ, to to trust in the work that he did on your behalf and to recognize that there is nothing that you will ever be able to do that can add to what Jesus Christ has done for you. And God's love for you is so vast and immeasurable that it sent Christ to the cross, that he paid mm. the ultimate price for you so that you can be in right standing with God and you can lay all of your works uh, at the foot of the cross and trust what Jesus did for you. And if you have questions or concerns uh, or you want somebody to talk to, I'm here. I'm on Facebook uh, primarily is my main um, social media, but I'm also on Instagram uh, as well. You can reach me through the website and I just want to be available to anybody who wants to uh, talk or have questions, you know, about the gospel of Jesus. Amen. Wonderful, brother. Well, it's been a pleasure to be able to talk to you today, brother. Your your book is very good. It's engaging and thoughtful, just like this conversation was. Guys, the book is Passport to Heaven, the true story of a zealous Mormon missionary who discovers a Jesus he never knew. We've been talking with my new friend, Micah Wilder. Micah, it's a pleasure to talk to you, brother. God bless you. Thank you, Dave. God bless you too. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Equipping You and Grace podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, rate us on the app, and share this with your friends and family on social media. If you want to find us on social media, you can find us on Twitter at Servants of Grace, on Instagram at Servants of Grace, or by searching at Servants of Grace on Facebook. You can also find this episode and many others like it on the front page of our website, servantsofgrace.org.